Hello! It is Wednesday, June 26th at 1 o'clock Eastern Time, and this is Higher Ed Live Marketing. I am your host, Andrew Castle. On today's live broadcast, we're talking about marketing schools that are located in states where recreational cannabis is legal. This broadcast is part of the Higher Ed Live Network. All our episodes offer you direct access to the best and brightest minds in education and outside of education. Be a part of our live broadcast by sharing your knowledge. Participate in today's discussion by tweeting us using hashtag Higher Ed Live. All of our episodes are free and easy to access in the video archives at higheredlive.com or take Higher Ed Live with you on the go by subscribing to the podcast. Hired Live is produced by M. Stoner, a digital-first agency committed to tailored solutions that drive real results. And coming up later today, there's a show that, that uh, you know what you stand for. You feel it in your heart. Now what? At 2 o'clock Eastern time, one hour from now, join M. Stoner, a digital agency focused on higher education, marketing, and communications, and Zeno, a strategic branding and marketing firm for educational organizations for their free webinar, Making a Mark, Unforgettable Branding, you learn how to transform your message platform into compelling and captivating creative and how to make your website an integral part of your branding. It's not too late to register. We'll be tweeting out a link with registration information as we go along. So for today, I was going to say that higher education has a complicated relationship with cannabis, but it's not all that complicated. In the 50s and really into the 60s and 70s, colleges were seen as the center of the counterculture where free love ruled and pot-smoking hippies hung out under those same trees we use in our marketing materials. Today, there was and still is a cultural stigma around cannabis use. Today, more and more states are legalizing recreational use of cannabis, which opens up huge new sectors of job growth, scientific research, and social development. My guests today work in North America a whole big half of a hemisphere, I guess a quarter of a hemisphere, with brands that include cannabis-friendly messaging in their marketing or even companies that directly market cannabis and cannabis-related products. Ali McElraith and Jess Colombo have extensive resumes. Please search them on Twitter and LinkedIn, and they are here with me now. Hello, you two. Hello. Hello. Thank you. Uh, you are, I'm going to uh, mute Ali here real quick. Jess, you are in Portland, Oregon. Is that correct? Portlandia. Everything you've heard is true about this city. <laughs> <laughs> and Ali, you are in Toronto, Canada. I am. Yes, yes. A hustling, bustling metropolis. It is. In that friendly, friendly country. Yeah. One of the first things um, I want to, uh, because the, the show is about cannabis and we're going to refer to it as cannabis, people really use the word marijuana to stigmatize and make it even creepier and scarier, this product that we work with every day. Talk a little bit about how that, what that change means for you and the education you've had to do with the people you talk to about when they refer to it as marijuana, do you correct them and how do you talk about that thing first off? Mm. Yes, I do correct them. Uh, and I, I think the exciting thing is that we're all students in this space and that we continue to learn and evolve our own language use around it. But recently did a talk actually for a marketing association here in Portland and explicitly took it back to kind of the beginnings and how the stigma and how the propaganda was developed. And I get checked even by other people and experts in this space on language use. But yeah, it's xenophobic and racist to call it marijuana. That's why it was created in the beginning. 
and now with the social justice and kind of drug war conversation that needs to be happening and is increasingly happening across different states here in the U.S., really important that we go back and like focus on the science behind this plant and kind of the medicinal properties of it and um, and environmental opportunities and, and, and all these other areas that aren't um, aren't probably being tapped into enough, um, certainly aren't. So uh, to your question, yes, uh, it's a conversation that we have a lot. Um, I have it a lot more, yeah, in the higher ed specifically. I think, you know, folks that are in maybe health and wellness um, are staying home in cannabis a bit more, uh, but there continues to be opportunity. And every day I learn more about the plant and and the kind of the social element around the plant and the propaganda that continues with it. But really important that we all, um, Emma Chasen is a really great resource um, based out of Oregon who um, puts out a lot of great education curriculum around the science behind this plant and the language use that's appropriate. So I think as marketers, we have to put in some work there. Same for you, Allie. Do you find that the, the same for the brands that you work with? Yeah, I think using any other term just undermines the legitimacy of it. I mean, this is an entire industry. And within that industry, there's now the technology we're going to AR. You're missing out on talking about the growing opportunities, the science, the health. And there's just so much to it. And so I think it just undermines the legitimacy when we use terminology that isn't reflective of how massive of an industry and how impactful and how revolutionary I think it will soon to become as well. Andrew, I think you're muted. Yes, I was muted. Um, when you, it's such a fun thing. Using cannabis is fun. But how do you communicate that fun without sounding silly? Like, it's like, come to my school, you can smoke weed on your off time. That's not effective marketing communications. But how do you get that fun of the cannabis culture in the seriousness that you have to do uh, for marketing communications? Mm, oh, that's a loaded question. How do you, um, Ali, how do you market the fun? I'm trying to keep up. How do you market the fun, but still stay serious? Yeah, I think in my opinion so far, cannabis is really being taken seriously. Young adults are investing in the stocks. Moms are one of the biggest purchasers of it. Athletes use it for recovery. There's completely new aesthetic that comes along with it. Craft cannabis is a huge market. So the conversation has had a really big shift in the past year on the retail and recreational side of things. Um, and I think even after a few minutes of education on the use statistics and quick overview of the booming ca cannabis economy, it doesn't take long to understand the legitimacy of the industry. So, I mean, I can't speak as much to, I guess, on the education side of things, but I don't find that whole kind of, oh my goodness, it's fun. And this is like, it's like equated to drinking. I think it's actually gone beyond that and really up-leveled itself um, again, I keep using this word, but legitimacy, I, I don't think people see it as the same kind of level as, as drinking or kind of that um, let loose party stigma that it used to have. I think that's actually, and I'll jump over to Jess to follow up with this, but that legitimacy word is actually really, really important. I think the more that we talk with leadership of whatever brand that we're working with, higher ed or outside of that, that so this is a legitimate product. This is a legitimate thing to be talking about. We're not just making jokes here. Mm -hmm. uh, Jess, do you agree? Yes. 
Totally. Um, yeah, I don't think it's fun. I don't think it's fun for a lot of people who need it as medicine and who can't get it for their baby. I don't think it's fun for a lot of the people of color that are sitting in prison in Georgia. I don't think it's fun, you know, for a lot of populations that um, that don't have access to to things that um, maybe others do easily. And so I think it just um, doesn't do us any favors as marketers to not continue to um, to be advocates in this space too, and to be really educated and and. Um, I think it's the responsibility in an emerging industry like this that has such a deep, rich history that's really complicated to be advocates and educators as much as we are marketers and, and students of it. Um, and yeah, there was some conversation we, we had previously around kind of how we tell that story up to our our, um, our leadership or our chancellors or our department heads and things like that. And I think... Um, that's a lot about, you know, having empathy for your leadership and where their fear is rooted and where they need uh, a lot more education. You know, they should be thinking about diversifying their income streams and they're looking at how do we do online courses and how do we compete in a really um, tough market right now for higher ed. Um, if they're depending on, you know, what is most compelling to them, education and tug at their heartstrings or bottom line or competitors and ego. Um, there's so many people that are jumping in and doing really exciting work in higher ed in this space and building out programs. Um, that it's, it's just a matter of time. And, and I think we know that, but yeah, to be a good steward of the space is to be an advocate for it at this point. Ali, um, one of the things that you approach the marketing work that you do is this psychological approach. And you really think about mm -hmm. how people think about the products they interact with and think about the brands that they're talking about. Um, how, what is sort of the psychology of someone who, of, of a student, uh, someone who is 18, 19, 20, deciding what they're going to do in their future? What are they looking for to decide? What are they thinking about? Yeah, well, and, and it's the way people make decisions, not well, mostly purchasing decisions, but we all make decisions based on how we can see ourselves in the future or what aligning ourselves to that brand or that school says about us, whether cannabis or not, right? So the big schools, why do people choose to go to Ivy schools? Because it says something about who I am and my, um, and my intelligence, or if I'm going to an MIT, it says something about my creativity or so any choices that we're making were, we see a version of ourselves in that, or that's who we want to become. Or so it's really about alignment of self when it comes to a lot of this. And we make decisions based on emotions rather than a lot of times based on kind of the, the facts behind it. So if we feel an emotional connection to what this school is saying, then there we're more than likely to kind of pick that over anything else. And so, yeah, realistically, one of the big things that I often say is a, um, a great product is the minimum expectation of a brand, which is so to say that there's quality in every industry. So what are you doing? How are you aligning yourself to your consumers and connecting with them emotionally or on a personal level that is kind of attracting them to you? So it's kind of interesting in how it works. And I think that universities have done that as well. It's kind of that, what are we a reputation for? What is our reputation? And then how are we attracting um, kids who want as well to be aligned to that identity? One of the things that I for sure wanted to point out was that there are there are mandates from the federal government that universities have to watch out and take care of, making sure that there's not binge drinking or excessive drinking on campuses. Like there are certain federal laws that want colleges to 
make sure that the people on their campuses are safe and that are not abusing substances. Is that something you've talked to the brands that you both have worked with about? They're worried like, oh my God, all we're saying is that we're just a bunch of drug-fueled maniacs over here. Jess. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I've, I've talked to some people who are anxious about it or who have leadership that are anxious about it. Um, but the kind of concept, well, first of all, I totally agree with Ellie in terms of like the psychosocial, that's where we come from and the affiliation, the aspirational self. And, um, and that it's more about setting up students for the next generation of job opportunities and innovation and everything that, because the black market will continue to be. They will get high. People will use recreationally as they need to. It will be probably better quality, whatever you get off the black market than what is now standardized in a lab by, you know, white guys with lots of money. So people will continue to consume as is right for their lifestyle and their preference and as they experiment, you know, as they get older and, and play around. And I think things like mushrooms are really exciting. Uh, and there's a new, there's another kind of evolution coming, chapter coming right now in kind of the wokeness of what we're all um, consuming and making accessible and, and exploring in terms of unpacking stigma. Um, but the basic concept that when we had um, we had abstinence education in the 90s and it didn't it actually increased teen pregnancy because people just stopped acknowledging and taking responsibility for their sexual health. They didn't stop having sex. The idea that we acknowledge publicly that consumption and safe consumption and responsible intentional consumption is a reality for the people that we serve, whether it's our community of you know students or general consumers or my boomer, um, we just need to get our heads out of the sand at one point. But that's also kind of um, uh, something that we've struggled with for a long time in regulated industry. You know, we want to wait and see, and then we're behind the curve and we lament that. So um, I think there's just opportunities for us to get more comfortable. And part of that's probably just having more conversations publicly on your campus. I still get people that come up in professional settings and say, I really appreciate that you said that thing about harm reduction in the opioid crisis in cannabis. The fact that I said cannabis in a public setting on a university campus is crazy right now. It's, and we just need to say it out loud, I think, is the, is the first step for a lot of us. And that's one of the things my cat is here. One of the things yeah, that um, Ali had just talked about was that there's only now data is just starting to come out about who these audiences will be talking with are, who is right. actually going to be listening yeah. to our messaging uh, about cannabis. And what have you found out about that, Ali? Who should we be talking to? It, are we reaching um, the age groups that do want some higher education? Um, yeah, so I, even in, in Canada right now, um, Canadians aged between 15 to 24 is, are the highest rate of cannabis consumers nationally as of March 2019. So that's the most latest that we have. Um, but then as well, then we're, if we're looking at those age 65 and older had the lowest levels of consumption with just kind of 4.4%. But interestingly enough, um, the highest rates of disapproval... Oh, this part makes sense, came from age 65 and older. But with regards to the disapproval, the number of baby boomers who have used has doubled since 2006. So as much as 
kind of 65 and older, the older um, age groups are the one who, who have the most kind of disapproval. They're also doubling their numbers. So it's, it's really interesting. And then, um, and then in the States as well, I believe the numbers, the highest users are 18 to 34. I mean, they use their numbers a little bit differently, but, but it's really quite interesting, the amount of people. And I think in total in Canada, the number was something like, 76% of people said that they've used cannabis. That's really high, but also not surprising. And I mean, I think it's one of those, this kind of, uh, and great to Jess's point, the refusal of communication and acknowledgement doesn't mean that it's not there. It's just not being spoken about. I was at, a, at an event not too long ago and it was a females only event in the cannabis space, but some really high powered females in Toronto saying, Oh, I've been using it for a long time. I just never really talked about it in public settings. And I still even feel a little bit uncomfortable saying it now, being they're saying, I'm not sure if it's my age or just where I'm at in my career, but I'm just kind of now feeling that I should just to kind of, again, move, move everything forward. But the amount of people coming forward or the conversations that I'm involved in that people saying, like, I use it, I've always used it, I just don't kind of acknowledge it out loud. It's so interesting, but the numbers just keep growing, um, interestingly enough. What works to start the conversation with uh, company leaders, with leaderships at higher ed? What's the in that marketers and people on marketing teams can use to really get the conversations going uh, on their campuses when they want to talk about making tools? Um, Jess. I think there is a lot of complementary um, work happening in innovation and the idea that universities are looking to extend an arm and well diversify income streams but also like get their claws into what's happening in the tech space or in other kind of corporate settings where they're saying actually we've got a pipeline of really wonderful talent and I'm not I work with a lot of folks in innovation spaces of higher ed and they're saying how do we prepare kind of our next generation of thinkers and doers and we're not better connected to the business community here in Portland so how do we extend that do we do incubators do we do intern and externships? Um, do we do online, you know, professional certificate programs? And the innovation kind of um, offices are the ones that I think are um, the path of least resistance on some university campuses who are already looking to make those connections. I mean, the idea of all of these universities being decentralized means people are down long hallways doing really cool work and they don't pop their heads up to think maybe another part of the university or another researcher might benefit from knowing about this. I think that's the biggest opportunity for these guys is um, to pop your head up and say, how can we say, take what's happening in the consumer space or um, in the ag space and look for connection points? And to that end, agriculture is a really exciting space for this. And kind of, you know, the science and plant-based um, chemistry is really exciting and people are starting there. Um, so conversation being, I'm seeing this happening and it seems really important that we're aware of this and that we skate onto the puck without putting the institution at risk. I mean, I think acknowledging, I get FDA, I get FTC, I get how much federal funding is coming into this department or into this administration, and I'm not trying to mess with that. You know, I mean, it's really not partisan at this point. It's, um, I think the best defense is a good offense. I would immediately acknowledge the risk that you know that they're under, uh, you know, having grant money taken away or having big donors walk uh, if they start coming out too strong. 
Uh, what about you, Ali? What has worked to start some conversation? What was the first real effective cannabis marketing tool that you put out there? Well, and to speak to Jess's point as well, I think it's fascinating. The minute that I start, even uh, the company that I'm with right now, we're in the midst of developing kind of one of the first smart app vaporizers where everything will be um, it basically you opening up your phone. It'll say, hey, like, hi, Ali, have a great day. Here's the strain that you're smoking first. Well, there's a data play to that. There's a tech play. There's software. There's hardware we're developing from scratch. So immediately that just opens the conversation of it's kind of cannabis aside, the technology alone and all of those other layers are so incredibly cool. And that immediately opens the door for conversation. So I think that um, that complimentary work that Jess was saying is 100% accurate. But that's so far been my work, especially because when I was coming into the cannabis space, not being a huge user myself, but I also see that as as a strength because when my team is a lot of times talking about things that we're doing, I don't understand it. So I have to get them to break it down for me, which means that we are all doing collectively a better job at communicating what's going on. So there seems to be a little bit of a dichotomy. You either know a lot about cannabis or you don't know anything and you don't know where to begin. And it's the basic, what's the difference between an indica and sativa? Okay, we've all seen that blog post 500 times. Now beyond that, what else can I learn about cannabis and how can I be introduced without feeling so overwhelmed because I don't know anything and everyone else seems to know a ton. So it's, it's kind of, I think, pulling back the layers for the industry that's been there for so long or you think, you know, that same old stoner stereotype that people who have been in it now, okay, peeling it back. How can we start from scratch again? This is a new industry. Let's start communicating it easily simply and effectively as we can. One of the things that I've sort of found as uh, a cannabis user, and when someone is interested or curious and they ask a question, you love to answer those questions. You want to proselytize uh, about this particular thing. Have you found that as well, Jess? Like if a, if a school is like, we're curious about this. Oh my God, I'm going to jump right on that. <laughs> Yes, and. And then you got to think, okay, meet them where they are. And everybody's trying to do education in this space from a brand perspective, and not everybody needs to, right? Oh, suddenly we want to do women's health and cannabis on the blog. There's already a women's health, and there's seven other media outlets and really cool content, you know, resources for that. So I end up pointing people to a, a lot of fabulous experts in my market and outside of it. But yeah, there. and I think that's, to Ali's point, I think we both do work that's rooted in the psychosocial part of, you know, what do people need? What are they scared of? What makes them feel cool and pretty and happy? And that is the internet, an abyss of ego. So I think meeting them where they are and pulling back. The other thing I would say about your question is that where I, I do I go gangbusters when somebody opens a door to being interested? Yes, and I understand what the implications are for my own career. I mean, in the last two years, um, coming out of the can of closet is what a lot of people will say professionally and otherwise. Whether you're a parent and you don't know if your kid's friend will be allowed to come over to your house as soon as that parent knows that you consume, or you say on LinkedIn that you created a cannabis marketing agency, um, and then my healthcare clients ask me to pee in a cup. So uh, I understand that I'm not always going to be invited uh, and or there are real implications to my business uh, when I have this conversation. But again, it's um, at some point we have to have the kind of courage to do that or the narrative doesn't move forward. Yeah. 
you find the same thing, Ali? Yeah, I I will be completely transparent in saying for the first month or two that I started in this industry, I didn't really say I didn't say that I was in this industry because I thought again, what will people think of me? And now I look back hilariously thinking it now doesn't matter. And now the more conversations I've had, it's oh yeah, cool. And I think, oh, why did I even care? But it really is like coming out of the cat closet, which I think is a hilarious term. Um, but it's so, so true. And uh, and I think that it's been really important for people similar to Jess and I, who have been doing different work or kind of have a reputation for good work in whatever industry it may be, professional looking people, females, young, all of those different pieces and saying, oh, yeah, I work in this industry. It's legitimate. It's going places. And it says nothing about me as a person whatsoever, just like every other industry out there. Should we say on our college uh, that we always say is like sense of place. Look at the beautiful things you can do right near campus is a river right near campus is a mountain. Should we start? Should we take that courage in our meetings and start saying in our materials, we have legalized recreational cannabis in this state. If you come to school here and you are of age, you can buy pot in a store. I remember being <laughs> in school in- <laughs> Go ahead, Jess, go ahead. No, no, yeah, did she have a, yeah, a visceral reaction to that? I remember being in graduate school in Southern California in 2008, and as I walked out of the campus cafeteria, there was a guy flipping cards that said, do you want your medical card? Do you have PMS or back pain? Come get your medical card. And I remember thinking, I have both of those things. Uh, maybe I should go do that. And then I thought, I don't need a medical card because I can access it whenever I want from wherever because everybody went to high school. So I think we're good. But um, I don't think it needs to be explicit. I think it needs to be a part of your conversation around curriculum planning, programming, um, partnerships within your community as an academic. You know, what is your, how do you serve your community and how do you stay relevant and innovative and how do you prepare the next generation of leaders in, in your state? Um, I think people, generally young people are staying on top of um, as legalization is happening and where that's happening. I also think your sense of place, you know, whether it's Humboldt State or whether it's Iowa, um, says a lot about you. And until the culture changes, I'm not sure um, that even if you said it's legal here, come on over, that they would think it was a safe and inclusive place to be a consumer necessarily, right? Um, although I'm really excited about Illinois, that feels good. Um, and you know, every state, whether or not it's recreationally legal, a lot of states are still putting programs together. So um, I'm not sure that I would advise someone to be explicit about it. Um, I would think a lot more about their institutional brand and whether it's on brand. I use the example of uh, when the Boston Marathon uh, bombing happened, Popeye's Chicken came out on Twitter and said that their thoughts and prayers were with Boston. And I would advise clients um, who don't have a right to be in these conversations not to try to push their way in. It's exploitative, it's presumptuous, and it can do a lot more harm than good for your brand. So there's a really cool quote from a guy named Mohan Nair who works for Cambia here in Portland. And he um, says, who does your brand have license to be? Uh, and that's the consumer's decision, not yours, right? That's the parent's decision. That's the student's decision. It's not your chancellor's. I probably would stay home there. Allie? 
Yeah, I, oh, I love that quote, by the way. But uh, yeah, I don't know that it needs to be said. I think people who care already know what where it's legal. I mean, in Canada now, it's just legal everywhere. So l less of an issue here than perhaps, I guess, down in the States where some it is and some it isn't. But I think you know if you're going or thinking about going to Colorado, you, you know that that's kind of that's going to be happening. But I, I think it, it's interesting now. I do quite a bit of flying, and recently I've seen... So now certain things are included in the conversation around, right, don't smoke on a plane, which has been said for years and years. But now it says um, smoking not prohibited on the plane, including vaporizers. But it's now just the conversation just starts to shift a little bit, which I can see. And, and I'm going to the place of negative, but I only use that as an example of you can see how things are starting to shift in terms of communication with the people who are a part of your school or flying with you or whatever that looks like. And I, I found that to be really, really interesting. So that was the first time that I've seen kind of the message change, especially here in Canada, start to sift into all these different places. Does um, marketing, does having cannabis programs for your school um, and develop a researching the chemistry of it or the agriculture stuff of it, all this sort of stuff that Jess mentioned earlier, does that make your school's brand cool? Allie. I think, yeah, go ahead, Allie. Oh, yeah, Allie first and then Jess for the, for the cool factor. Yeah, we spoke about this a little bit before beginning, but I, it's so interesting doing a quick media scan the amount of articles out right now that are saying kind of weed is no longer cool cannabis is no longer cool because it's legalized in canada and now you can i don't know use cannabis with your parents legally and so i guess it's it's not as is intriguing to young kids um but compared to the 70s and 80s they're noticing or starting to notice that in teens it's discouraging them from using cannabis the legalization which i just think is hysterical because it's what everyone's wanted for so long is legalized <laughs> and now we're noticing a trend of teens are now thinking oh no i don't want to use it now um i know in washington they saw similar declines as well when when uh when legalization came out so it's just kind of it's funny and in a flip of stereotypes middle-aged parents are more likely to use marijuana than their teens which is i don't know just kind of hysterical in all of it but um i think the cool factor is only it's only cool when it's done really well it's like all things and it's that, to that popeyes thing you think oh we got into the we got into the conversation but if it's not genuine and authentic and it's not done in a way that's innovative or showcases leadership or, or whatever that X factor may be, I think it's just kind of one of those things where you think, okay, like you said it, but you're just trying to kind of jump on the bandwagon versus, oh, we're integrating it in this way. We're doing it from a technology play. We've done this and this and this. So in Canada, I would say the conversation is still kind of in that underswell um, piece to just align your brand won't won't do much for any brand equity. But I think, again, with the technology, the lifestyle, the growing, um, I think that if you do so in a way that's, yeah, authentic to what you're doing in your school's brand, I think you could do it really, really well. Just to follow up on that just a little bit, do you think that that means your school's brand is already who you are? It's already how people are interpreting you. So it should just naturally come right out of the stuff you're already communicating about your school. 
Right. Yeah. Depending there on your market and your state and what kind of industry is happening in that space, it's just a matter of how you want to elevate your relevance, which is probably something you're spinning on in every meeting anyway. How do we remain relevant to the new gen of learners and or, you know, people who are coming back into the system? Um, and so I think it's much more about uh, or the conversation can and should be around relevance um, and how do we best serve um, our, our next generation of, of people that are going to go into the workforce and do really cool work in the research space or in teaching or whatever it is, or in care, health and wellness is, is going to obviously is, is kind of exploding. So it's interesting. Allie and I are both in that space and um, the opportunity there for our next generation of healers is really exciting too. just naturopathic and wellness in that space. So anyway, relevance over cool factor, I would say. Yeah. Um, I could hang out with you guys all day. But we all got yeah. other stuff to do. So, uh, the, the, I want to sort of. Um, so the the um, what we what I've sort of heard in our conversation is don't force it, don't try to be like really push it out there and like this is stuff. It's just part of who you are every day. Um, don't try to point out like come here. Don't differentiate by saying our state has legal cannabis access. Um, people are already finding out that stuff. They'll know where to go. But I would like uh, each of you to tell me. One tip for people who are watching, how do you start the conversation? What's the first thing that you do? Is it research for yourself? Is it find a friendly person on your team to talk to and sort of get an ally? Or is it just to just talk about it every single chance you get? And I'll start with Ali. How do you, how do I, as a higher ed marketer, how do I start talking about this with my team? Yeah, I think it's finding out where where your interest lies specifically and start enrolling people in that conversation and enrolling people in the learning that you're also doing as well. Because I think for a lot of people, cannabis, you just think of the plant. But again, you're missing. There's so many other areas. And I think if you're curious about it and you're actually really excited about it, that excitement will kind of be felt by the other people and they'll think, no way, I didn't really know that about that. That's kind of cool. And the more, the more, you know, sort of thing. But I think coming again from a place of genuine curiosity, finding out what is really interesting to you and then starting to enroll people in the conversations that you care about is the best place to go. Jess. Agree. Education, yeah, kind of pursuing that, understanding kind of where the market is and how it's different, uh, finding colleagues at other institutions who are doing something similar or aspirational to you. The work that's happening internationally, whether it's Toronto or Israel or Germany, is on another level. So I think just getting outside of your comfort zone and looking for um, other examples of people who are best in class or who are kind of leading the charge in the space. And then network. Every market has a really robust and burgeoning cannabis community that's happening, whether it's the Women Grow community or it's Elementa or it's Tokativity or there's so many of those. And I think academics need to get out of their office and get into a networking. I wouldn't consume and try to network. That's going to be really tricky for you. It's hard to find the words. Um, but I would encourage you right now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Get out there and, and be a part of the community in a genuine way. Um, that's going to build a lot of bridges. One of the things that I have learned in higher ed in, in the meetings is what are the best practices? What are other people doing? And it seems like moving into this space, we are have the chance now to make those best practices. We have the chance to, to define how these things go into the future. How exciting is that for you as marketers working with brands? 
Yeah, I think I find it all incredibly fascinating. And I, I'm just really excited to be a part of it and to be a part of the conversations and to be a part of the groups that are all going, what are you all doing? What are you all doing? Are we good with this? Okay, we're all going to charge for it, especially just with uh, in Canada specifically a lot of the rules that we have right now on us. But it may, I, I really feel like I'm a part of something that's exciting. And because it's it's not always every day that a new legitimate new industry starts and everyone starts at the exact same time being legalized on one specific day. And now we're all moving forward. So I find the whole thing fun and interesting and really, really exciting to be a part of. I agree. Riches in the niches and that richness could be <laughs> financial implications for your business opportunity, or it could be the curiosity and the idea that we get. It's really rewarding as a as a marketer um, to be uh, a, a student again uh, in a really uh, intentional way. And so, yeah, I'm thrilled. And um, as much as we can help kind of steward and, and support other people on their kind of educational journey, I think um, that's the really probably the fun part for Allie and I. <laughs> Just Ali, thank you so much for taking some time to chat with me. Um, you give thank me a you. lot of great stuff. I have a meeting actually later today with my school of management people to talk about this very thing. So this is happening right now. It's very, very exciting time to be marketing, uh, entering the cannabis, cannabis space as higher ed marketers and doing all that stuff. Thank you for taking some time today. Hope you have great days out there, whatever you're doing. Thank you. Right. Good luck. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>